S and Dutch. Dyslexia audio transmission. Welcome to Dis and Dash, the Dyslexia podcast from the Dyslexia Association of Ireland. My name is Amy Smith and I am the Information and Advocacy Coordinator here. We are very lucky today because we have an all dyslexic podcast. We have Jenny Byrne, our Information Officer. Hi Amy, how are you? And we also have fitness entrepreneur Tom. So Tom, will you tell us a little bit about yourself please? Sure thing. Um, would you like me to go business or would you like me to go to my dyslexia background? I want to know all of it. No, tell us kind of a little bit about what you do and where you're from first. Okay, so uh, born and raised in Dublin, South Dublin. Um, I currently have a corporate wellness business, so we go on site uh, with corporate cl- clients and we manage their wellness services. So anything from on-site fitness sessions to pop-up events to wellness weeks, wellness days, you name it. And we have a good host of clients that will be based here in Dublin. Uh, that's what I'm doing currently. I have a team of four people working for me, um, which is continuing to grow, which is fantastic, but a lot of hard work at the same time. And, yeah, that's a little bit about my business, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, personal background, uh, I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was, I think, seven years of age. Um, and at the time when I was given the diagnosis, I was crying in my kitchen table and thought it was the end of the world. Uh, my perspective now on dyslexia is totally different. I don't think I'd be where I am today without it. Big yeah. advocate, and uh, I actually love it. And uh, my actually TEDx talk was based around it. So cool. um, yeah, I um, I hope my message might maybe give something of value to anyone that's dealing with it. But uh, yeah, I'm a big advocate, and I think it's maybe the person I am today. So you fit into one of the really cool stereotypes around dyslexics and their ability to be kind of entrepreneurs and business owners and things like that. So we see um, a lot of trends around dyslexic people who really like to work for themselves and to set up their own kind of creative projects and stuff, which is very cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think even um, when you mention creative there, I find myself sometimes, I might be able to communicate something across by word, but I maybe write it out or draw it out yeah. or something like that would give me a much better picture. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a great help these days. So you said there that you found out when you were nine. Was it through the school or was it did your mom have to do it privately or? Yeah, I think I was seven. So um, my mum and dad uh, kept an eye on me in school and they knew something mm-hmm. was up. And I think I was I was pulling back on some subjects mm-hmm. and I was struggling with some subjects. So. They actually took me out and brought me, I think, to the ACLD at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, which yeah. is you guys it's now. <laughs> um, so, and they got me tested because they knew something up. And, like, back in those days, I'm only 33 now, but back in those days, I don't think it was as widespread mm. or the teachers or the schools had the as knowledge. much information or knowledge on it. Mm. So, very fortunate that my parents very obviously spotted it so early. And... They got me a bit of support. I got a tutor probably a year later, which was fantastic, which helped me to support. And then they were able to go back to the school with the results. And, yeah. and I think we managed then get me exempt from Irish and stuff like that going forward. And, you know, when you were saying, like, you found out at your kitchen table and stuff like that, like, the whole experience is really weird because I was assessed when it was ACLD as well. Okay. And I remember going in Suffolk Street and it was like Harry Potter. Do you remember going up all those steps? The steps are the only memory where I was just like, these steps are never going to end. I actually do, yeah. It's a really tiny, yeah. uh, tiny uh, stairwell all the way up. Yeah, yeah. both the O'Neill's pulled there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 
funny. Yeah. Um, but like you know when when you were saying like that you were told at your kitchen table. Um, for you, what did you think dyslexia was, or did you have this kind of notion as soon as it was he- said to you, or like when you're assessed young, I think that it's um you sometimes have like a warped view maybe of what dyslexia is and you want to push difference away almost I think for me I just I thought it was a disease I thought I actually had something that I might need medication or a tablet or a pill to take and I didn't have an understanding of what it was at all and I suppose the biggest thing and being that young and finding out like you're just like oh is this the end of the world or what does this mean whereas throughout the years I got educated on what it was it's a different way of learning we yeah. take in information yeah. a different way mm-hmm. and that was that it might take me a bit more time to do something but mm-hmm. everybody learns differently you know mm-hmm. so at the time though it was a big shock to the system yeah I think that dyslexia is almost like a friend that you have to like get reacquainted with throughout your life so it's a very good way of yeah, yeah it yeah. meant like I think for me it meant something completely different when I was seven to when I was 15 and doing my junior search or when I was applying to colleges or when I started my first job it's always a different person every time you meet it almost I even think sometimes when I'm around different people they have a different understanding of it and you've got to explain it in a different way mm-hmm. to them yeah some people might think you're stupid tick or whatever it is or they might yeah. go, wow, that's an advantage yeah. or, well, I can be. see yeah. how, how you've done this, this and this. And sometimes like there's a lot of uneducated people yeah. or they might think they read a chapter on it and yeah. they know all yeah. about it, you know. We spend, being on the phone lines, we spend an awful lot of time explaining to parents, well, I'm dyslexic and this is how my dyslexia affects me. And having to tell someone about your story once a week or twice a week can be overwhelming. Like I think one of the things as well when we've I've worked with you guys in the past mm. and we've done so many evenings here mm. the parents nowadays that come I think they realise wow my kid can still make yeah. it they might have had a, a warped understanding of what yeah. it was but they actually meet people that are fine yeah. and yeah. they get on with life yeah. and they do things and achieve things but sometimes it can just be a label yeah yeah I think as well it's important to acknowledge kind of where they're at as well like sometimes parents come into us and they're very distressed and it's really that they're in the trenches right now and the things are definitely going to get better but you just almost can't see beyond the next 12 months or the next few weeks even in school and I think sometimes we have kids in here a lot for dyslexia and me and that's the same they sometimes can't see past September which can be hard for them you know and and it's trying to process that in the future things are going to be better for them but they just need to get through this little bit 100% and I think just on your point there if like if it's the parents are having a support network that can just spend some more time with yourself or a little bit of extra support or you might need to take a little bit more time to achieve something but that's okay mentioned um you were seven and then your mom got a tutor for you do you remember like was that the first person who was like the, the most support was the tutor in your home or was there a teacher in your school who was great support for you or gave you that confidence to build you up back up to be more confident around it was there a certain person a tutor a teacher a parent a sibling it's funny you ask that question. I was literally on the phone to her two nights ago, uh, yeah. the tutor. Uh, she's still a part of my life. Uh, Lorna Fry is her name. And I'm so happy she's come into my life because she's such a close friend and someone that has uh, changed me mm. and, and supported me and helped me grow as, as a person. 
not only through education, but she gave me confidence. Yeah. My, I think my mum and dad got recommended through a friend of a friend, or maybe the ACLD at the yeah. time, and she was actually hard to get because she was so busy mm-hmm. and she didn't want to take them, but I was lucky enough I got a slot in. Um, but I always remember my mum and dad saying it was just probably going from being in school with a class of, let's say, 20 to 25 kids. Yeah and here's a subject and we're going to spend this amount of time on it and we're going to try and learn this I mightn't have got any of that mm. but taking the time out to uh, maybe once a week having a little hour and just going okay we're going to do this little small section of this yeah. and next week we'll work on the next section yeah. and that I'll never forget my mum she'd always say when she was picking me up she, I, the biggest thing she noticed the difference in me was I'd always come out with a smile and yeah. I think that was because I was like, whoa, I can understand this now. Whereas in school, I mightn't have caught up or been able mm-hmm. to keep up. Um, but she is a huge person in my life and like someone that I'm so happy that I was able to have sport up through the years. Yeah. Um, and an amazing person, yeah. That's wonderful. that you're, And she's still in your life as yeah. well. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you think, like, when you talk about her, I think that parents um, of dyslexic kids we've kind of mentioned before but they can be huge support systems in our life and they can kind of like we say to parents you know don't lower the expectation for your child you know your child will achieve everything they want to um, do you think for your parents it was a big shock and how did they kind of get over that to support you as best they could I'd say it was a it was a shock but I'm very fortunate in the household I grew up in the parents I have I think they were just probably like what support network can we get you yeah. or how can we help you on this journey and it's not the end of the world yeah, and great. life goes on and maybe at seven I didn't get that mm-hmm. but now you're like it's like Anathan I, I was talking to someone the other day and there's pressure for the leaving certain results and like that and I'm like there's life after the leaving cert yeah you know yeah. and um so it was great having they did support me in that sense and they're like how can we get support is it um through a tutor yeah I think one thing that helped me as well I probably didn't mention growing up was drama helped me I did a lot of speech and drama when I was a kid so did I do you think that all dyslexic children end up in speech and drama it's mad isn't it it's mad isn't it and like my my dyslexia was I was really bad at spelling yeah reading I was fine or reading aloud I'd actually enjoy that part but um, speech and drama probably just confidence again yeah, yeah getting up on stage making a mistake um getting over it learning a poem learning a piece of of moving to music yeah. or a piece of uh play whatever would just probably give me a little bit of confidence to grow so it, that's one thing that helped me again but that would have mean without my parents yeah my two sister did it and then they pushed me into it so they yeah. were like go do it see if it's for you if it's not you know what i mean so that did help me as well. I think the speech and drama piece is really interesting because I remember speaking to my mum. I ended up doing it for like 15 years. Like I was proper, had to like, I did all the <laughs> grades and everything. And I think um, when I spoke to my mum about why she thought it would be a good idea in the first place, she was just like, because I was afraid that you wouldn't be able to communicate through kind of written word and stuff like that. But I always wanted you to be kind of heard and understood and like proud of what you had to say. So I just felt like this might be, you know, the best way for you to do it. And when you're talking about like, you know, that you liked reading out loud, I often say to parents, like, find out if that's something your child likes, because often it can put them under a lot of pressure if they don't like it. Um, but maybe say to a teacher, listen, if he doesn't have his hand up, don't pick him. But if he does have his hand up, he might want to try it. And I think there is a little bit of like theatrics in it where mm-hmm. some kids love it and other kids really don't like it. So it's about kind of not one size fits all for children. Yeah, I think um, it's creative as well. 
I think yeah. um, when we were doing fetches or plays, yeah. I suppose the good thing was, I think I started speech and drama in school, but then I would have went after, and I probably wasn't around the people I was in class with, yeah. which probably helped as yeah. well, because yeah. I didn't have to prove anything to anyone that yeah. they didn't yeah. know me. So yeah, it was one thing uh, I enjoyed growing up. teacher uh maybe didn't really get things because you kind of spoke a lot about Lorna and how helpful she was um but like is there a teacher that you just were like oh if only I could have kind of go back to them and get them to understand now where I was or have you been very fortunate with that I I suppose I've been very fortunate um I'm not like most people I can't remember back to where when I was four years of age <laughs> or when I was eight or nine I'm, I'm trying to think what happened two weeks ago um that long-term memory yeah yeah it is but um I suppose one positive that stood out to me is I did um, English all throughout uh, secondary school. Yeah. And for probably five of the six years, I didn't really enjoy it. Mm. But I did fourth year and we changed form and I got an English teacher and it went totally different. We were watching plays and movies and we were reading books and we were going to theatres and it was a totally different concept of rather than just here's a page yeah. learn this chapter of history about English or whatever it reminds so probably the negatives were I didn't enjoy that aspect but I, I enjoyed the creative aspect of finding other ways to learn about yeah. English yeah. and stuff like that but I wouldn't necessarily say I pinned point down like I suppose when I went into secondary, probably teachers had a better understanding and more yeah. education on dyslexia at that stage. Yeah. And probably all the work was done in the sense that I'd got my diagnosis done. Yeah. So I think it was flagged from day one. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. Um, do you think that, uh, like, I think that there does tend to be a bit of snobbishness around, like, the content that we're kind of consuming, so that you're not really reading if you're listening to an audiobook, or you're not really reading if you're reading an article on sport, or you're not, you know, things like that, and I think that that can be out there a lot with um, parents and kids, and I try to say, like, if they're reading or consuming literature, or they're connecting with stuff in a different way, I think that it's equally as helpful and as worth, worthwhile. Did you, do you think that that's kind of something that's getting maybe a bit better or yeah I'd say so like well like how we consume every day is totally different now yeah. like it's everything's on our phones and mm-hmm. um we watch everything on social media and we go home and we watch Netflix and it's yeah. audiobooks and things for me I love audiobooks yeah and I was probably me. I was probably a little bit resistant when they first came out I was like I'm going to get more out of reading this yeah. paper yeah. and turning the sheets and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, the one thing I do like about audiobooks is you can actually speed up the, the, voice. the voice so it can consume it a little bit quicker. And I still like standard books. Yeah. I pick and choose which I want to read out of a book yeah. and then what I want to read out of Audible and stuff like that. And the other thing, my thing with books is a lot of people have different relationships with books. If I don't get it in the first three chapters, I normally put it down. I don't yeah. force myself. Whereas I probably grown up, I was like, I have to read this page yeah. to page till the end. This book has to be read. Whereas yeah. now I'm like, it's not for me. No Next. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. But um, an amazing way to get caught. When I'm in the cars on the way here, the car, the traffic is actually so bad at the park over the other side of the city. But I was listening to a podcast this morning and then I was listening to an audible yeah. this afternoon. And 
in the car, it's a great way to yeah. consume or you're traveling or commuting. 100% brilliant. You're a really positive person and you kind of, I suppose, practice a lot of like well-being and kind of talk to people about well-being and stuff like that. So do you have any like shout outs to like podcasts or audiobooks that you think are really cool or interesting? Do you know who I was just listening to? The podcast I was listening to this morning to, to uh, you're at talking about positivity and actually he wouldn't have stood out of one of the persons I admire, but listening to this podcast was actually blown away by it. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, okay? Oh, yeah. A lot of people know him as the mixed martial arts commentator mm-hmm. guy. But he had Kevin Hart on, the oh, comedian. Yeah. yeah. And I was actually blown away by the level of positivity and his perspective he has on life and family. He's had gone through a lot of hard times, but even Joe Rogan interviewing was blown away by it. So that would be one I'd recommend. He's so positive. Kevin oh, Hart, I he? didn't realize. Mm. I I just I've seen some of his comedy specials. Yeah. I maybe seen a couple of his movies and some of his funny videos yeah. online, but I didn't realize how hardworking he yeah. was and he's all about family. Where he came from and yeah. yeah. But I'd be a big... I like that a lot. Um, I consume a lot of the same stuff over again. So people yeah. always ask me, they're like, why are you so positive? I reread the same books. Yeah. I listen to the same YouTube videos. I listen to the same piece of content. Yeah. Probably three or four I'd mention if anyone's listening to this that might find value in and I'd say they should is um, Anything by Dale Carnegie. It'd be yeah. brilliant out there, whether it's book or audio. Um, I love Jim Rohn, Les Brown, Tony Robbins is pretty good. Tony and, Robinson's good, yeah. Uh, probably modern times to do a business or life or anyone that has any negative stories in their yeah. head they're talking about. I like Gary Vernachuk. Okay. Um, he's a big social media guy. You'll get him across all social media channels. But he's very honest. He's not trying to sell you anything, but he just he started a business from nothing and just getting out of your comfort zone and getting on with things as life can be very helpful there so there's a couple there if people want to check them out definitely there's some value there I think that's really interesting that you were kind of talking about people who are very resilient and who kind of have that bounce back ability that uh, kind of is so famously um, associated with sometimes hardship and things like that um, and when we do dyslexia and me you're talking to like nine-year-olds and while kind of the stuff that they're going through in their head and the stuff that they're going through in school is really hard, often we find that they become really resilient young people and they bounce back and they kind of, you know, they're down and up on the same second almost. And while it's hard to watch that being forged, it's almost an experience that you can't replicate or buy for someone. Um, and do you think maybe that that resilience in dyslexic people is something that makes them so successful? I, I'd say so. Um, you talk about resilience there. I have, the last time I did a talk on dyslexia, I have a, a, an image I use on a slide, and it's of, um, it's two roads, and one of the roads is a motorway, just yeah. straight road. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of that, I have a road that looks similar, but it's all windy. There's a couple of stops, there's a couple of junctions, but they're still going to the same destination. Yeah. And for me, that's a great visualization for how I understand something. If I'm trying to take something on board, I might need to reread it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might need to listen to information. I might need to watch a video rather than going, read this chapter and yeah. give me a synopsis about it. I might need to get information from this aspect. Take me a bit longer, but I'll still get towards the same destination. So I do believe those stops, those hiccups, those time give you an extra resilience yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. 
and often gets you to a more interesting place. Like I think when we explain to the young people about dyslexia, I often use that analogy as well, where kind of your information is taking a different route. And while sometimes that can be frustrating because stuff is on the tip of your tongue and then it falls off because it's gone a different pathway in your brain, it can also lead to really like outside the box solutions for problems or um, you know you're using more of your brain so you come up with a really creative answer to a question so there's definitely pros and cons but definitely if you focus on the pros of it you're much more creative in your approach to life almost yeah I still am um, still to today working with um, even friends and family or mm-hmm. working with any of the team that work for us I sometimes have to question myself what am I communicating out yeah, and getting what I'm saying. Like sometimes I might tell myself in, in my head I've communicated that perfectly, yeah. but the people listening are they taking that in and have they understand what I'm expecting? Yeah. yeah. So I find it difficult sometimes, and I mightn't communicate it directly, or they, I might be getting the answers I want to yeah. get. So sometimes it's visual or having it written down or going, "Do you understand this?" or asking them back, "What did you, you get from yeah. me communicating yeah. on that? Did you get that my perspective yeah. or?" what it might be but uh, it is challenging and it probably is my dyslexia yeah. that's gone okay but I'm at the stage now where I can question it I can go maybe I didn't communicate that correctly yeah. yeah and it's just taking that extra moment to go did you understand what I was saying or what did what did you think I said there yeah and it's uh, and an it's it, yeah it's, it's yeah. at an adult and it's kind of sometimes the answers come back and it might be the ones you want and you're like whoa I didn't communicate yeah. that correctly that's yeah. not what I meant yeah yeah exactly yeah and especially in life and relationships and stuff like that yeah, yeah. yeah. my mum used to have a thing um, and it was like a rights and responsibilities charter for children it was a very like rights associated house we were very kind of <laughs> all about human rights in our house um, but one of the things on the charter was that you have a right to be understood but also a responsibility to understand so that you kind of, you know, you should, you have a responsibility to make sure that other people understand you and you have a right to be understood as well. So I think that there is that sometimes communication um, can break down and you have to take responsibility for, for your part in it, but also you have the right for people to understand you. So to go back and clarify and things like that. And I think often um, children and young people get a little bit afraid of that because they don't want to say, oh, I didn't understand that or I don't think that's what I meant and I want to clarify what I meant. Um, like is there anything yeah is there anything that you would say maybe to someone who is dyslexic who was like afraid to maybe speak up and clarify their point because you're dealing with that as an adult I suppose is like probably try and learn from your mistakes like yeah. it's it's hard for me to kind of comment on that because like I would be in a class environment now and yeah. now I'm very like my perspective on anything in life is like just go do it like what's the worst that's going to happen yeah. no one's perfect you need to get out and do things learn from your mistakes and move on to the next thing we were talking about the podcast before mm-hmm. and it's funny uh, my fiance was telling her friends they're like where's Tom tonight and she's like oh he's doing a podcast and they're like oh whose podcast is he on and he's like no no he's yeah. doing his own podcast yeah. and she was just like when he puts his mind something he does it so yeah. That would be my advice. Yeah. Like, even if you're getting up and saying something or you're trying to communicate something, you actually made the effort yes. to try and communicate. Yeah. And whoever you're trying to communicate to, if they have the understanding that they can maybe re-listen to you again or whatever yeah. it might be. But yeah, I suppose fail and fail fast, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, that's um, brilliant. Stand you up know, and do it again. Yeah. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Do you know what I mean? 
my biggest thing is I have a quote my mum says to me and all the time and I try and say it in anything I'm doing or I finish any of my talks is, and it's just simple this is not a rehearsal like yeah. we're not coming back to do this again yeah. I hate like it. we only get one shot so we might as well just do it learn from our yeah. mistakes yeah. and move on yeah you know I think sometimes as well I don't know if you find it but just from the people that we interact with um, I think sometimes there is that dyslexic people sometimes take their setbacks or their mistakes very um, harsh or very to heart so like even I do it some days I do something and I make a mistake and I'm like oh my god that was so silly that was a silly mistake to make it was because of my dyslexia and maybe a non-dyslexic person wouldn't have done that when in fact and then I look over and dyslexic people are like non-dyslexic people are making mistakes all over the shop they don't care about them they're not focusing on them whereas I'm like aggrievously upset by the mistake that I made I find it sometimes uh, funny in business if we're dealing with um, any of our clients or any emails or any correspondence and sometimes I have to understand them when it's written in an email or in paper or something's confirmed it's fact but then when other people make a mistake and then you're changing it you're going okay, they made the mistake, it wasn't me, do you know yeah. what I mean? So that does happen, you know? You assume it's your mistake Yeah, yeah, then. yeah, exactly. And you're like, wow, it's not me. <laughs> it's always good when it's yeah. not your mistake. Um, Amy, you mentioned the word silly there. Uh, and that, like, speaking about words, um, is there a word that you always, like, was used in school that was a negative to you? Or, like, with me, it would have been... Um, my, my fifth class teacher always called me an ignoramus. And if ever I hear that word, the hair in my neck stands up, like, if parents say... So is there anything that, like, was there a word or a saying or... Um, probably something like dumb or thick or stupid, yeah. maybe, if anyone was saying it to me. I suppose the one thing I'll never forget, I was actually... I went to a comedy gig years ago in the Laughter Lounge, and a comedian got up and did a joke on dyslexia. And I was in the room and there was like probably a hundred people there and I was like, oh my God, he's talking about me. I was like, oh my God, and I felt this mm. uncomfortable in the hair and I was like, yeah. oh my God, he's attacking me mm. and thing. And that was my perspective at the time. Yeah. I had this defense mechanism mm. that no Thinking one could say anything or joke about dyslexia. Whereas now I'm like, I couldn't care, brilliant. Mm. I did yeah. stand-up comedy myself and I made a joke about yeah. it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But like, yeah, I suppose when I was back to your original question, I suppose when I was growing up, probably just dumb or yeah. tick or something like that. But Yeah, we do the dyslexia and me, so we get the kids to kind of put up words, maybe they associate with it. My word isn't even like a bad word, my word is careless. And it used to annoy me so much because I would think I was being so careful. So I would spend so much time looking at things and writing everything out exactly and I thought it was perfect. And then someone would say, oh, that was a really careless mistake to make. And I'd be like, oh, if you knew how careful I was trying to be. (laughs) And I'd say even these days it's so much more challenging for um, kids or children growing up with the online aspect of things. Because someone can comment or someone can put a post up and could be a word but like once again that comes down to resilience yeah. they're only words and not yeah. like no one else's opinions yeah. matter do you know what I mean yeah and I'm also of the firm opinion when you're having a fight with someone on Twitter the first time that they comment that you've spelled something wrong they've lost 
because if oh, they have to attack to your spelling, then they definitely can't argue with you appropriately. So you've won at that stage. Yeah. So very, good, very yeah. aggressive on Twitter, Tom. So I'm, yeah. I'm you know, able check to... her out. Oh, yeah. I, no, do you know one that I'm actually not on Twitter. Well, I probably am on Twitter. It's one of the social somewhere. media platforms. It's one of the things I'm not on that I, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm on other things. So yeah, it's enough at the moment. It's a very aggressive place, Tom. Yeah, Don't, yeah, you're, yeah. Too, you're too nice. You're too nice. Um, this is my favourite one and because we've got an all dyslexic podcast we're kind of quite comfortable in asking this question but if you woke up in the morning and I came to you and I was like we're after developing a special pill that you can take and it's going to make all your dyslexia go away uh, would you take it now and also would you have taken it when you were 10 say for example if you'd have said that to me when I was 10 I probably would have said yes yeah Mm. Because I was probably a kid and naive and yeah. what can we do to fix a problem? Yeah. Uh, now, no. Yeah. I don't think I'd be where I am without it or every day. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, it's challenging and whatever sometimes, but like, I don't think I'd have my own business. I don't think I'd be on my own boss. I don't think I'd maybe have the entrepreneurial bug. Mm. Um, I don't think I'd be challenging myself as much. Um, so yeah it's interesting that you kind of said that like when I was 10 I wanted to fix a problem and then when you're talking now as an adult you know it just seems like you don't consider it a problem anymore and that's a lovely kind of change between kind of and that's why like I wanted to ask the difference between maybe when you were a child and it was really hard um, and now maybe where you're doing what you love and you get to pick and choose your tasks and things like that I suppose as well when you're a child or you're 7 or 10 or at that age you're comparing yourself to, to people around you. Your you're peers. the kids or whatever, or your friends that are getting on with things and if they're getting on in class or school or your grades are fine or whatever else. Whereas now, I know none of that matters. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. We're all individuals, race. you know, like, and everyone's writing their own book and getting on with their own lives and that's the way it should be. Yeah. Um, is there any famous dyslexics kind of that you look up to or that you maybe read about or maybe even when you were a kid someone you found out was dyslexic that you really kind of took comfort from or um couple that stand out Richard Branson would be the first okay and I know yeah. a lot of people reference him and stuff like that but one of his books that actually stood out to me was Screw It Just Do It yeah. and I'd highly recommend that book to anyone and it's more of the aspect of just get on with things make a mistake in business in life and things push on push on push on it's not just about business but just has that aspect of life one most recent um, I watched a documentary on him there recently was Jamie Oliver yeah and it was very interesting and he's had some highs and lows in life like that but there was a little piece that stood out to me yeah Dwayne Davina McCall yeah exactly but there was a little piece that stood out to me was he was doing a photo shoot in it and all his books were in it and he sold 42 million copies. And he goes, not bad for a dyslexic kid who was told he couldn't write a book. Yeah. And that was a big thing that stood out to me. And I was like, there's huge value in that. Yeah. Yeah. So there was the visual aspect of him actually sitting there with the yeah. picture of him with his books. And then the numbers don't lie, 42 yeah. million copies for a sex thing. So those are probably two people. There's some other massive famous dyslexic people I haven't mentioned yeah but uh, probably those are the two prominent 
one modern and the, the book, yeah. Richard Branson book, is highly recommended. I think they're nice ones for you to have picked as well. Um, I think that we have a, um, an inspirational dyslexics board um, and I kind of put together a list of people because I was firmly of the opinion, right, because people talked about dyslexia and the dyslexic people were fabulous artists and really creative and stuff. And every day for about 15 years, I was like, one of these days I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be really good at art and it's going to be great. It's going to kick in. Yeah. This is going to happen for me. I know it's going to happen. So it's really nice to get kind of a really eclectic uh, mix of people with dyslexia yeah. because there's so many inspirational people with dyslexia in every walk of life. If you want a famous scientist, if you want a Nobel Prize winner, if you want an athlete, if you want an entrepreneur, a chef, you know, you, you can really find people in all walks of life. Um, 100%. I yeah. think... Um, that's just even you talking about having that wall i'd say that's great for a kid that's walking through the door for the first time yeah if they can relate to someone that they may be has meaning in their life or they aspire to that might be a great confidence better or Mm. you know i'm okay wow if that person visually you know and i suppose that's why maybe richard branson did something she was like he's dyslexic he's successful yeah. wow what, what stopped it didn't stop him yeah, that was probably my first eye opener or something like that great so um, this has been really kind of interesting to speak to somebody especially someone who kind of fits into the entrepreneurial dyslexic mould so yeah. um, if you were to say something to your like seven year old dyslexic self who was crying at the kitchen table, um, what would you go back and say? Kind of ghost of entrepreneurial future visiting. <laughs> um, if I was gonna go back and say something to my um self was first would probably be it's okay. Yeah. Like it's okay. Um no one else's opinion matters. And then, yeah, just my mum's, that still rings me, like, like a couple of things, I, I kind of, affirmations, or maybe, like, just never settle, like, don't settle for less, and just yeah. go for what you want to go for, like, dream big, and have mm-hmm. aspirations, and, like, do what you enjoy, that, like, little things, if you enjoy yeah. gardening, go and enjoy gardening, if you enjoy walking your dog, whatever it is, spending time with friends, family, yeah. travelling, go, just do that. If I could yeah. tell my seven-year-old self that, yeah. that's what I'd be probably yeah. pushing on. To kind of focus on what yeah. fuels his soul. Yeah. You're nearly stealing one of my questions off my podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I ask sometimes any regrets regrets for the yeah. stuff. Size. But uh, yeah, that's what I'd say to my younger self. Lovely. Well, I'm sure he would have been delighted with a visit from you <laughs> and to see how successful he was to become. Um, thank you so much, Tom. It's been lovely to speak to you. Um, will you tell us the name of your podcast so people can check it out? We'll link it when we uh, post the podcast. 100%. Um, it's Making It Happen and it's on Spotify, iTunes and yeah, you'll find us there. And what is it about? So uh, the concept of it is I with my business, I get to network with a lot of probably very inspiring people could be Mm -hmm. sport it could be business it could be just life and i think there's great value in getting down to the nooks and cranny and what drives these people but also hearing some of the obstacles or struggles they've maybe had throughout their life and how they've overcome that and i don't think there's enough voices no talking about those days or events and struggles Yeah. yeah and how like they've came through it 
Um, and the one thing I've noticed with the guests I've had on so far is no one's got it figured out. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. has it figured out. Um, we're all humans. We're all going to be okay. And yeah, it's great. It's, I love it. It's really yeah. enjoyable. I learn something every time I interview someone. Yeah. Um, and I learned something being on with you guys yeah. today as well. It's great just having conversations. And one of the reasons why I did the podcast was to have conversations. Brilliant. We're really excited. We'll have something now to listen to on the train home. Yeah, definitely. And we'll be very positive creatures after this. Oh, can't wait. Thanks so much, Tom. Please come back. Yes. Absolutely. No worries. Give me a shout anytime.